fun as you go. So have fun, guys. Well, good morning. You can have a seat as we watch our kids uh, exit. Hey, wasn't last week, when have you gone to church and had illusionists and comedians go, right? Pretty amazing. Okay, there's no clapping, so maybe not amazing for you. Yeah. Um, that was a great picture of being together and uh, celebrating. This morning, we are going to finish out our series um, in the first half, and then I'm going to talk about the series wrap-up, the application. So in this first section, we want to finish up th- this idea of game changers. I want to pray for us uh, this morning, and we were, we'll get started. Uh, God, we thank you, first and foremost this morning, the chance to gather and give worship to your name, Jesus Christ. God, we thank you for the gift. We pray that we get more clarity in how to live that out practically of what it means to be a Christian. God, will you move us in our spirits this morning through music, through fellowship, through teaching, through watching baptism unfold, through making commitments. God, might we be transformed. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. A young Ronald Reagan was with his aunt. And his aunt said, I'm going to take you to the cobbler to get a new pair of shoes. Uh, Ronald Reagan uh, was a young man or a young boy at this point. And so his aunt takes him to the cobbler. And the cobbler, she asks him and says, Ronald, would you like a pair of shoes that have a round toe or a square toe? And he just stood there. A young Ronald Reagan just stood there, not sure how to answer that question, not sure what decision to make. And so after several minutes of just awkwardness, right, you've been there, not sure what to do, paralyzed if you should make, to make the wrong decision, uh, the cobbler says, you know what, take a few days, take a few days and, and we'll talk again and we can decide. The cobbler sees him in the market a few days later, says, young Ronald, have you figured out, do you want your new shoes to have a square toe or a round toe. And once again, he stood there silent. Again, unaware or fearful of making a wrong decision and not sure if he's going to make the right one. And we've all been there, right? Paralyzed. Am I going to make the right decision? After several moments, she just decided, you know what? Why don't you just come back in a few days? And so as they arrived to the cobbler's store in the next couple days, the gal comes out with a new pair of shoes she's made for him, and so she's given him, and she says, uh, on the left shoe, it was a square toe, but on the right shoe, there was a round toe. And she said this to him, young Ronald Reagan, you need to know that if you don't make choices for yourself, people will make them for you. I think this morning, a great fitting way for us to talk about game changers Things that we could do in our lives that will transform our personal life, our relational life in the church and the world, we have to face the reality that every day you have choices. You are either making those choices or you are letting others and the world make them for you. And and I would say to you, most what I see around the Christian church today, a lot of people sitting in churches talking about God Uh, engaged around the idea of God, believing some of the things about God, but not making the choices that are game changers in their life, not making choices 
that will make a difference and transform them and change them. This morning I want to talk about what does it mean to to be a part of changes that could transform a world. The question I have for you this morning, if you could do something today that would change the world tomorrow, would you? If you could make some changes in the world today that, that would change the world tomorrow, would you? In 1206, 1206, Giovanni Bernadone, 23-year-old son of a wealthy merchant, decides he's going to go to Rome, and he's going to, on this pilgrimage, and as he goes to Rome, here's what it reads, the story reads that he felt such a disturbance between the opulence and lavishness within these brilliant mosaics, and yet the poverty of beggars sitting outside. It struck him. So much he persuades one of the beggars to trade clothes with him, and he spends the rest of the day in rags begging for alms. It was one of the greatest empathy experiments ever. This episode was a turning point in this young man's life. He made a choice, and it changed not only his life. He soon founded the religious order of brothers who worked for the poor and the lepers and who gave up all of their worldly goods to live in poverty like those they served. We know him as St. Francis of Assisi. What can you do today that could be a part of changing a world tomorrow? I think often what I hear is, ah, it's just overwhelming, it's too much. I can't make a difference. And friends, you couldn't be more living out a lie that the evil one wants you to believe. It is churches, it is small communities, it is believers that are committed to the call of Christ that gather together and believe that God can do something radically through them that make a difference in the world. I want to give you some, a little bit of backdrop here and then dive into a couple texts this morning to give you an, an idea. The word change, we use it, just means to transform. But in the Bible, the word to transform comes from the word uh, metamorpho, which really is where we get the word metamorphosis. So we're not talking about change like cosmetic changes. When we talk about transformation, we're not just saying small little adjustments to, to appear better. This week, for the second year in a row, I get to go speak at the American Leprosies Missions, over a 100-year-old organization that is almost ready to eradicate leprosy in the world because they have a cure. Somebody, a hundred years ago, decided we can make a difference. They didn't even have the science back then. Somebody a hundred years ago said, we can make a difference to this group that is outcast and in despair. And I get to go to a weekend where they're talking about implementing and eradicating leprosy. Oh, give me more of that. This morning, I want you to just focus in on a couple texts, and I want to give you a few points about how does God view us as game changers in a world? What are things that we could be a part of? What are principles we could begin to practice today that can impact our world around us tomorrow? Psalms 146, it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, my soul. Okay, just stop for a moment. Wasn't music, like, how many country music people in there this morning? Yeah, just a few of you. Some of you not too proud that you're country music people? 
because these aren't about bars and drinking and like divorce and all that, right? Um, Hey, listen, when we have music, it's your permission. Can I give you permission this morning to give glory to God? It's get on your feet, it's clap. Listen to the psalmist, praise the Lord, praise the Lord my soul, I will praise the Lord all my life. I will sing praise to my God as long as I live. Do not put your trust in princes. Listen to this psalm. Quit trusting the rulers around you. In human beings who cannot save, when their spirit departs, they return to the ground. On that very day, their plans come to nothing. Friends, as much as we'd love to trust people, they have great intentions most of the time. But when their lives are over, it's not them or they who will be the ones that will provide for us. Look what it says. But blessed are those whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in their God, the Lord their God. He is the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, and he remains faithful and ever. Now we get to see the picture of what this God does. He upholds the cause of the oppressed. He gives food to the hungry. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down, basically uh, broken. The Lord loves the righteous. The Lord watches over the foreigner. The one who crosses borders illegally, the one is running from terror, whatever that foreigner is, the Lord watches over the foreigner and sustains the fatherless and the widow. But he frustrates the ways of the wicked. The Lord reigns forever your God, O Zion, for all generations. The first principle this morning, God cares for the poor, for the foreigners, for the sick, for the afflicted. And we could make a case this morning that people will not find God until they're in one of those postures of brokenness in their own soul, of sensing their own spiritual poverty. You, you make a decision for Christ when your world comes crashing down. And friends, in Green Bay, there are homeless. There are people that need food. There are people that are foreigners. There are people in prison. There are broken down people in our city. God cares for these people. Let's continue on. 1 John 3, 17 and 18. For I was hungry and you gave something me something to eat. This is Jesus speaking. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Listen to the response of those listening to him. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When do we see you a stranger invite you in or needing clothes to clothe you? They're thinking literally, did they, they never did this for Jesus. When do we see you sick or in prison or go visit you? Go to verse 40. The power of what the response is. The king will reply. Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters, of mine, you did it for me. Friends, the second principle this morning is our care for the needy, the broken, the foreigner, the prisoner, the outcast, the distressed is an expression of the love for God and a love of God in us. 
if a church community is not overwhelmed with the, with the, the calling to care for the poor, the calling to, to reach out to those who are, are needing food and clothes, if there's not a sense of, of compassion for those in prison and the broken, then a church is missing the love of God in them. They're playing religion. If the church has its, its hands on the coffer or the, the treasury and tightly holding out of fear like they're going to go bankrupt, friends, the love of God is not in them because he says, give it away, be generous. Not only is there a God, this God that we love and we sing about this morning cares for them, but our care for them is an expression of love to him. When we give to the needy, when we serve those in prison, when we love the foreigner, I don't care about your politics. I don't care about my politics. When we love the foreigner and the alien, God loves it. It's an expression of our love to God. It's an expression of God's love in us. Proverbs 19:17 says, "Who is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, uh, and he will repay him for his deed." Okay, just so you, many of you sit down with financial planners, or maybe you're a financial planner. When's the last time you heard, I have a new package? It just came in. This package is the package of calling, give your money away to the poor, and God repays you. You'd be laughed out of that office, wouldn't you? Friends, I could point to family and person after person in this church body that have been generous, and they're not wealthy, and God has repaid them. You cannot outgive God. I don't know what it is that we start to hold on so tightly to what we have, but you can give everything away and still you won't outgive God and he will blow you away with the repayment. That may not be dollar for dollar. I'm rich. I'm rich in having four daughters that love Jesus. I'm rich that my oldest daughter in, in weeks is going to get married to a guy who loves God. To me, I, okay, I'm willing to give a lot away for that. Aren't you? That, that we have health right now. I'm willing to give. Could that be a part of the blessing? To be a part of watching people change. I'll keep giving for that. I don't know what the repayment is, but it says in the Proverbs that generosity to the poor, this is like lending to God. Proverbs 31, 8 and 9 says, Speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute. Speak up and judge fairly. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. This morning, there are homeless in Green Bay that don't have a voice. There are many in prison that don't have a voice. We're not condoning what they did. But God says you, you are to love the prisoner. There are many that don't know how they're going to make it tomorrow with their health, with clothing, how to put their kids through school, bills. And God says they need a voice. Speak up and judge fairly. Why has the church become so silent? I'm not talking about picketing governments and all that stuff. And I, again, those are things that, it, however political posture you have, that's great, and we have that right here in America. 
I'm talking about a kingdom principle. And that is speaking up for people that can't speak. And friends, our church is committed. As long as I'm on the watch, I will push for us to be a voice for people who can't speak for themselves. Proverbs 22.9, the generous will themselves be blessed, for they will share their food with the poor. You want blessing? You want that, that, that connection with God that you start to feel the, the, the blessings of God in your life, and not just with money, that's so small in comparison to the blessings of God. You start to get new blessings and a newness every morning. If you want that, it is generosity that is the common game changer in the heart of a church, in the heart of believers. It is generosity. God commands and blesses those who care for the needy. God commands and blesses those who care for the needy. It's not an option. And honestly, I would say that when someone doesn't have that compassion and that generosity, it's a question of the hard-heartedness. Has God really transformed them? Are they really a part of a relationship with God or a religion around God? And I'm not yelling at you this morning. I'm just passionate about this because I think this is a mark of a game-changing church body. And it comes out of game-changing principles of what we said the first week, of reading your Bible, of, of soaking in the truth and beginning to talk to God in prayer and getting connected to people, as we talked about last week, in, in groups. And it starts to become infectious, and you start to sense a calling of, we got to do something. we got to speak up for. 1 John 3, 17 and 18 says, if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? I don't know what your travel route is and what you do daily in Green Bay. There are a couple routes that I take during the week that send me through parts of our city where people don't have a voice, where people are broken. And I can talk about God all I want, I can talk about the commands of God, but it is not until verse 18. Dear children, let us not love with words and speech, but with actions and in truth. Care for the needy is more than words. That's why this morning I love gathering together with you, and I love Bobby and his team of people expressing their gifts and music, and we get to fellowship and rub shoulders and, and hear great stories of what you're doing, but that should motivate us, right, to move from this place and to make a decision on square toes or round toes, but make the decision, make a choice. And friends, churches can make, there are multiple ways people are reaching their worlds around them. Not to assume this morning that Green Bay Community Church has the right way. We don't. We have our way. The way that God has just moved us and gifted us, because you're unique. You're not the church in Central Africa that deals with a whole, a, a whole new paradigm of how they reach the poor. We're not a church in South America. We're not a church on the East Coast. We're not a church on the West Coast. We're not a church in Canada. 
We're not a church in Chicago. We're in Green Bay. And because of that, every church, as God has formed it, is they kind of create a new way that they're going to creatively use the gifts, you, in the church to express this calling to love and serve the poor and needy and broken. And finally, we get to, after a few years of doing this, and last year kind of doing our soft launch with Ripple, we get to share with you our play. Some of you have heard it. I just want you to see the heartbeat of where we're heading as a church body and the commitment to give voice to people who don't have one.
Yeah. I want, I want to be a part of a community that's doing that. And, and we have been committed to, to moving us toward that direction. The team's going to lead us in a song really talks about the calling we had to the cross. And as we just read in these passages, if that was your calling to that God called you to his son, Jesus Christ, at some point you're going to have to stand on your feet and commit that same love to someone else. And you have that same expression of, I long, whether prisoner, someone who doesn't have voice, or afflicted to have it. Uh, as these guys sing, I'm just going to challenge you as you just feel led to stand, not for your commitment to me, but your commitment to God that you are a part of the kingdom missional work of reaching broken people. Father, as you call us to you, might we be so compelled and overwhelmed with compassion for the broken, for the needy, for the prisoner. For those who have no voice, might we be a church, God, that begins, that begins to have that same love that you gave us. God, we pray this as we make our great effort to do that in your name, Jesus. Amen. You can have a seat and... I want... Uh, I kind of want to transition us, and that was, that was the finish of our series for three weeks, Game Changers in Your Personal Life, in the life in the body of Christ in relationships, and then in the world. We kind of want to take now a, a little bit of a, kind of a change break, and this would be uh, for you to meet some people, but the way we're going to do it, we stole from a lot of you teachers. Uh, you guys have heard this before, right? Think, pair, share. Now you actually have to do that yourself. It's easy to say it, right? Um, we want you to think about this question. What does it mean to be a Christian? I don't know if you've thought much about that, but we're going to ask you to pair up with some people that are around you. You might not know them. Ask that question and just share, what does it mean to be a Christian in your words? We're not trying to get right answers. There's no buzzers to say wrong answer. All right, will you stand up? Pair up with some uh, people around you, introduce yourselves, and answer that question. So every one of you should have uh, access to one of these cards, and it's put together. Um, it's perforated, so you'll get to rip that in half in a moment. Uh, so have one of those, if you could, and then uh, we do have pens and pencils of it. Does anybody need a pen or a pencil? Anybody need one? You raise your hand. Uh, I don't know who's going to get you one, but someone. Oh, there they are. Just all, it's miracles happen all the time here. Um, raise your hand high. So I'm going to keep talking. Uh, in all seriousness, we have been trying to answer this question of for what does it mean to be Christian and a part of a church? Friends, listen to me. Way too many people to, today believe the lie that I can be a Christian and I don't have to be a part of the church. Know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, the gospel that Jesus dies on the cross for, the, the, the price of our sin, the remission of our sin, the freedom from that sin eventually, 
He does that so that we can be a part instantly what's called the member of a body of Christ. We're part of the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians uh, 6 and 5 and 6, Romans 12. All these are all tons of passages that talk about you can't be a Christ follower and be disconnected from the body of Christ. But you have a choice, don't you? About what kind of member you, will you be? I had a friend, Greg Blair, who was a friend I was growing up with in California. We used to ride motocross bikes, and uh, I'll never forget, we used to ride all the time, but I got the news late one night that he had gotten hit um, by another bike that was jumping off a jump, and it landed on his shoulder. It paralyzed his left arm. The problem was I watched Greg go through therapy and just agonizing over trying to get something out of that arm because it was paralyzed. And I remember him saying, which was such a shock at a young age for me, he goes, I'd rather just cut it off because it's useless. He eventually does that in his later years, and it becomes very, very functional with a prosthetic arm. I say that because you know how many useless, paralyzed Christians are sitting in churches on Sunday doing nothing, not making a choice to transform anything for tomorrow, but simply thinking that God just mapped them out to fit God into their life somehow and they enjoy the rest of their life. God wants us to be a part of something and it's called the local church. And we don't make any apologies or mince any words that we feel there's some biblical expectations for you to be a part of the church. The first there is on your card and you have two cards because when you tear this, the nice artsy card, right, is for you. You could take that home, and that's for you to be reminded of your covenant between you and God. The just plain Jane card is for us, and we need some information on there that you'll probably need glasses. It says name, email, I did this, and that's what's terrible, phone, date of birth, uh, what does that say down there? See, you got it. What are you doing? I don't have my glasses on. Um, and here's why we put it in the database. Can I give you some stats? Last year, we did our all-in. We had about 650 of you say, yes, I'm all-in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a part of the body of Christ at Community Church this year. That's pretty good. That's pretty awesome. You, yes, you can clap for yourselves. You're waiting for it, aren't you? You're waiting for it. But... Um, only 200 actually gave anything financially and served. So what it told us, um, not that you're failures or you're terrible people, we have to do a better job at making it very clear, what does it mean to be a part of this? We get almost every week somebody asking, I want to be a member. How does it be a member? It's not information. It's transformation that says, I'm going to be a part of this. So let's read this. The paragraph on the top, you would put I, uh, just your name, I, Troy Murphy, as a part of the spiritual family of Green Bay Community Church, I'm joining the cause of Christ in this transforming community of believers that are loving God and others. My being a part of community is more than just attending a class. It is actively declaring that I am committed to being an owner by the way I I live It is a covenant between myself and God and his church to live as a son or daughter as instructed in the Bible. The motivation behind becoming a part of community family is not about what I can receive, but what I can give. 
And this is the call of what we're asking people to be a part of. This is fall, kind of launches, everybody's back in school, we're getting into a routine. What does that mean for us as a church? We're saying, re-up. We wipe the database clean, not of everybody's name, but of the commitment to be all in and say, who this year is saying I'm going to do this? Here's the ways. The first week in our series, we said, I will connect with God by acknowledging my surrendered life to Jesus. When did that happen? Now, if you don't have a day and a time, I could tell you July 7th, 1971, Apple Valley, California, in the evening before bedtime, I dropped to my knees with my mother and my brother and came to Christ. I know the date. A lot of people don't. If you know the year, the month, the era of your life, can I make it easier for you? When you started to surrender your life to Christ, write that down. You can connect with God by declaring uh, your obedience to Jesus in baptism. Uh, again, you need to know that that is through the death and sacrifice of Jesus Christ that we have the privilege to, to display, a public display of an inward transformation that's going on in our lives. Now, we ask in adult baptism that you have done that or are committing to do that. And guess what? If you want to do that this morning, you'll be able to do that at the end. So you could write that in when that happened. By attending weekend services, uh, attending weekend services weekly. We put three to four times because everybody's not going to be here all the time. I'm not even here all the time. Uh, but it's a commitment that being together is part of what we've been commanded to do. And that's why last week with um, the illusionists and, and comedy, a, a way for us to talk about, we're to gather. And quite honestly, I need you to gather to help me see my blind spots or to encourage me. Now, we love our live feed, but we want to make sure that there is this, um, there's, there's an expression of relational ministry that begins to unfold in your life, and that happens by being together. So you commit. You circle one or the other. By tithing, okay, um, there is probably no bigger picture of a heart being transformed than the generosity. I just said that in the life of us giving. Now, we see clearly through Scripture that the discipline of giving back to God is the way that God asks us to do that. Now, the church operates that way. Friends, your giving impacts ministry, impacts staff that can empower more people to do the things and to, to disciple more people, more programs to offer to help teach people about Jesus Christ. It's not going to some, you know, private fund somewhere. We discipline ourselves to, to be very good on budget, but you have to hear, this is a very serious part of what it means to be all in. Look in your Bible, new church, early church, sacrificially giving, regularly giving. It happened weekly, weekly, weekly. So our ushers now are going to come and do our first fruits, and just know that when you give at Community Church, it's an expression of gratitude, not under compulsion. The Bible says this, if you feel strong-armed, or shame to give, don't give. It does not count. God does not count anything that's given out of compulsion. It is an expression of generosity, of love that you have for God. When you do that, he, again, is a God that will bless you through that trust. Now, we do that first. That's why we call it first fruits. That's what Trish and I do in our giving. It, it comes out of our stuff first. And it's amazing how God provides. As a church, 
The first 10% of what you give, 9% of that goes to missional activities in the go area, feeding the poor, of homeless shelter, all those things. 1% is for church, helping churches in our area. 1% of that, you know, is, is we're trying to do that. So this morning we have a chance to give. I'm going to pray for us and then I'm going to continue. Father, thank you for the, the privilege to glorify your name and how you, you provide for us by just giving back first fruits. We thank you for the privilege to worship you this way. In Jesus' name, amen. So you would write down here in this connection with God those commitments. Okay, the next part of it, belonging to the body. Right there. Belonging to the body. What does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? It's the second part of our logo. It's the arrows going out. How do you relate to one another? The best ways to describe this are this. First, it's you kind of thinking 360 about your life. Who is around you in your life? Who are the people that know you? The messy part, the good part. And what we're trying to help our church understand, it's the very chair you sit in and what you discuss with people around you, that could God be that good at what he does to be placing you with people that you need in your life? So we ask that you commit to getting in a group. Guys, there's no reason why everyone can't be in a group in our church. This is just one card out there. Now, how many of you have downloaded the new Community Church app, Green Bay Community Church app? If you haven't, it's at both stores, which I, I'm only an Apple guy, so I don't know what other store there is, but there is another one. Um, you download this Community Church app. Friends, it has everything. If you push connect, it will give you all the group opportunities, and you can push and, and register and be a part of it. You can sign up to be an all-in member. You could sign up to learn how to lead a group. We're saying commit to do something. Get in a group. There are groups that are short-term, so if you don't like people after eight weeks, you can get out, right? <laughs> if you just really don't like people, I can handle for about eight weeks and I'm done. I, I make it a joke, but I'm serious. Some of you are freaked about, do I have to really do life with these people? Uh, I know if you dive in, God's going to stretch you. He's going to change you. By attending leadership launch and relaunch. Friends, this is our, our kind of all-in weekend to say, and, and we have those online to watch those, but it's a way for you to understand what is it going to look like this year. Every year is a little bit of a tweak in our missional and our strategy of what we're trying to do as a church. Man, we would tell you to, to sign up. You can sign up on the app already for relaunch, which is in January. You can do that. Um, the next is there, I'm sorry, is committing to uh, getting into serving team roles. Let me go back. One of the things that we noticed is that our church is, it's about how many, Trish, I'm going to put you on the spot, um, so don't mess around on the app right now. I caught you. You're focusing? Okay. I love my wife, because she's the only one I can do that with, and she only gets to talk a couple of times a year to do that back, so it's good. Um, anyway, uh, how many people does it take to do a service? Remember, Volunteers. Close to 200 on a service alone. In a week, it could be 300. There are, there are so many needs out there. Now listen, you may be saying, because you can go on the serve list and say, I'll volunteer. I don't, I don't have to be good at it. I'll just volunteer. Now listen, like if you're not really good in computers, you're not going to get stuck in front of a computer, right? 
You may say, nothing shows up. I am a wood whittler, and you have nothing for me. You come to me, and I will figure out something that you could whittle and give your time to God in that craft. I promise you, all right? Uh, whatever it is God has, you got to get in. Let's change that number of 200 to get to 600 people that are doing something together in the body of Christ, okay? You're going to commit to do something. Um, last part of that is I will go and serve others. I'm going to go from here and not just take in the learning and discipleship and growing in my faith and being a part of the body of Christ, but I'm going to go make a difference. And friends, that's the video you just saw. Our charge here at our church is to give you some go opportunities, but that is enmeshed with our plan that we've been putting together with volunteers, with our staff, with elders, with community leaders to say we have found the best strategy is to leverage what God's given us. Do you know vapor right now is making a huge strategic shift? You know what that is? Their campuses, the, the facilities that we're building and helping build with them, they're starting to leverage them for more than just the sports, more than just the water. They're training for jobs. They're doing family nights. They're doing get-together. They're doing, it's becoming a community center. Friends, churches around the country are doing what we're talking about doing. We're not alone in that. You don't have a crazy lab kind of mad scientist pastor that wants to experiment on you, right? It is happening that way. So what is our play? If you don't know much about Ripple, there are brochures out in the lobby. There are the big fold-out ones. You saw some of the passion in the video of that. It is a plan. And guys, everybody asks me, what's the timing? When you do it debt-free, you lose control of timing. Because if we had control of timing, right, it would be, we're going to go get a loan, and now we're in debt. We're not doing that. That's the beauty of this. Now, here's the great news. This last season, you've already pledged over a million dollars to the campaign. That's you guys. Yeah. Already, over $200,000 in cash has already come in. You're starting to see them, some things happen. Our WISNET line is coming in. Some small adjustments are beginning to unfold. Again, the, the roundabout is not us in Ripple. We wanted that to happen, but we didn't make it happen, just so you know the rumor. That is the village and the county doing that. We're excited about that, though. Um, some new signage will come out. We're excited about all that starts to trigger, but I'm going to tell you where our first play is. This is the, the grand plan, and you can get together at Ripple, and if you want some informational meetings, we'll hold more of those um, as you need those. But here is what we're going to do. Our goal is the let's do our first fruit as the care center. The care center being the place to feed the poor, to care for those who don't have a voice, to, to bring them hope and help as they need. And so that's the first thing we want to do. That's this area right here. It means immediately meeting, uh, building this out would be about June or July of next season, putting the giving tree from the school district in here, which feeds about 300 families a month. It's our church benevolence program that already gives many needs to a lot of people that are in our own church. Uh, it's a food pantry. It's family training. It's need support and some networking with other resources in the area. Friends, this is, this is what we want to do first. And because of that, our goal is to do 800,000. We need 800,000 more in cash, and we're saying our goal in 60 days by Thanksgiving. 
And you're saying, well, that's huge. Do you know how many fundraisers I've been to in the last probably six months that have a way bigger goal than that? And it's for things that are good in our city, in our community, but this stuff matters. And I know it's going to change not only lives around our area, but it'll change our church and lives in it. I'm going to ask you, if you download the app, I'm going to start a 60-day prayer challenge starting tomorrow. You'll get notification from me about prayer. And we're saying, we're praying for 800000 in cash. And you're saying, well, we already have a million pledged. We'd like the cash fund to be heavy enough that it has, we have a base that we can move into the next phase after that, which will be the children's ministry area. And so we're very excited about this, but it's going to take your prayer and commitment. And that's the last part of your card. It says you make a commitment. Friends, right now I think we have about 25%. It could be a 20 to 25% of people that have actually given in our church. To me, that's great news. Great news in that there's a lot more potential. And this goes over and above our regular giving, and we're saying do something. Do, just do something. To be a part and saying I'm all in. So my question for you as you fill out this card, and you can tear it, and we want the ugly one that you're going to go to the baskets with, and if you're in the village, there's one basket uh, in the back. I'm going to have the team come up, and they're going to, they're going to play a song for us. It's just a song of response. And, and guys, I, we're not getting credit for this. This is not like however many cards we get, we count, and we go to church conferences, and they pull us up and give us awards because look how many people we had to fill out cards. Guys, this is about us making choices about game-changing practices in our own life. Some of you in college need to make those choices now. Some of you that have retired need to make choices now. Young married or with kids, you know, like young kids feels like the, the life stopper, right? I can do nothing else in my life. Don't make that mistake of not diving in and being all in. And so as you go to the basket, could you be reminded again of the song, the same love that God gave you to help set captives free like yourself. He's calling us to, and that's being all in at our church. Now listen, we're a church for anybody, but it's not for everybody. And that doesn't mean you're wrong if you don't want to be all in. And, and if you want more time, then take more time. We're going to have that thing, the ripple or the all-in kiosk out for several weeks if you need to take more time and grow, please do. We want for those of you who said, I want to do this. I want to be a part of the game changing in my own life, in my church culture, in the relationships around me, and in the world. All right, I'm going to pray for us. You could take those to the baskets, and then we're going to get ready for baptism. Father in heaven, we're blessed to be called the body of Christ, your sons and daughters that inherit a kingdom that we did not deserve. God, and you've called us to be game changers in this life. Might we do that in this church body. In Jesus' name, amen.